This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and this time around, we're doing a live Ask Us Anything, and us being me and one of my very best friends, Justin Morgan, who will do the majority of the question answering, and I will be tagging along. Actually, just getting ready to say, I'm just here to supervise. So Napa Autotech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, go to NapaAutotech.com and click on the Napa Autotech class calendar link. How's it been going? It's good. You can see I'm actually in my office. I have most of my computers up. I never pegged you as a World of Warcraft guy. It's tough to keep your it's tough to keep things like that hidden from public too long. Well let's see. I see people logging in. So for those that don't know thanking uh, us already, we haven't done anything. They want us to hurry up and get off the air. Um, <laughs> So did I hear you say, right, that you also have some questions that have been emailed in over the week? I do indeed. All right. So we just got to give me what's up, up the relative term, but I would say uh, we're recording this. Despite my best efforts, the ceiling. So (laughs) yeah, I can definitely start us up. Actually, I got a whopper for the first one right out of the gate. You ready? Yeah. What do you think is the single biggest barrier to elevating the level of respect in our industry? I've been doing this long. I've been doing this long enough to acknowledge that there has been some improvement, but I don't think that we're really at the level worthy of the industry as I see it. Is it up to the manufacturers or the vendors? Do the tech schools need to instill the idea that we are not just either flat rate techs or knuckle draggers, or will it just be a process of evolution and time will be the judge? Personally, think that it is a long journey. And I hate doing comparisons of trade, so I'm not really doing a comparison. I'm doing a an example. If we look at HVAC companies, residential HVAC repair companies, it used to be that it was the same as us. You know, they were looked on as the, the guy that you had to rely on when something was broken. I see commercials for AC repair companies in the Charlotte market now, and these guys are all wearing white shirts. The service techs are wearing white shirts, heavily pressed. Everybody's clean cut. Starched? Yeah, starched. Yeah. That's the big time. It probably took 20 to 30 years for that to happen once they started, and it hasn't full swung for them either. I don't know that we're ever going to get to that point. There's always going to be, I hate to say bottom level, but there's always going to be someone at the bottom that doesn't fully represent. Don't know that we're ever going to be, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, At its core, we're still a trade. And I'm not saying that we can't be professional. I'm not saying that we can't have good-looking shops, good-looking waiting rooms, professional staff. I'm not saying any of that. We 100% need that. We 100% are moving towards that direction. But I don't know that we're ever going to be on the same level as someone that wears a suit and tie to work every day. That's just me personally. I think that that progression is there. It's just very slow. It's improved greatly already, Partly because just the technology of the cars. The vehicle technology is getting to the point where it's getting more and more difficult. I don't know that I would say impossible, but very more and more difficult for just even somebody that's fairly mechanically inclined to do all the repair work on their own vehicle. I think years and years ago, you could get away with it. You could stop down at the parts store, pick up a Chilton's book or a Haynes manual, and you could do a lot of damage. Like you could, you could do a lot of work yourself. 
and tool investment, depending on what we're talking about, I guess, could add up. But you could do a lot with basic hand tools and maybe a test light, maybe a meter, voltmeter, whatever, multimeter, I suppose, if you depending on what vintage we're talking about with maybe dwell. It gets rough now with scan tools and service information. I guess I don't pay attention when I walk through a parts store, but is there a Haynes manual for a 2020 Chevy Silverado, much less BMW G body or G chassis? Like I, I, I don't, don't know, but I could find out for sure. It gets rough, right? Yeah. So by that by itself is starting to increase almost forced respect for what we do just because maybe they tried to dive into it. Maybe they bought a code reader, maybe they went down to the parts store, had the codes read, and then wow, that didn't fix it. No, maybe I take it to a shop A, shop B, not successful. I get to shop C and they figure out what the issue is or they can get the job done. And maybe it's experience, maybe it's uh, training, maybe it's just the tooling investment, whatever it is. I think there's some of that's being forced, at least from the, the driving public. Within the profession, I think it's being forced. And if by respect, we're talking about like compensation and Compensation's like this big umbrella term, right? It's it's your rate, whatever that is, your salary, your benefits. The shop's taking more and more financial burden off techs, maybe with equipment purchases, stuff like that. That's going up because it's forced because who are they going to get? You know what I mean? Like There's shops talking about keeping people that normally they may have sent packing because they can't get anybody to replace them. So they'd rather put up with some BS. And I'm not talking like terrible, right? But they're putting up with more than they probably ever would have because there's nobody to get back. And it isn't that bad. That regard, I think COVID especially really helped it. And then even before, just the the fact that we have a pretty good deficit of quote unquote good tax. And then we do have a deficit of good shops, Compensation-wise, definitely gone up. I mean, we've seen the evolution of, you know, paid training, more hard benefits, especially in the aftermarket, stuff like that. But I think the questioner was recognition. So I I may be inferring incorrectly, but I kind of believe that he's talking about public image. So, I mean, I agree with all that. And so just for the record, I did pull up uh, Haynes's website and it looks like in the domestic categories they have some books up to 2011 in the german they have books up to like 08 which is probably pushing it nice i kind of want to read one <laughs> i know right i kind of i almost want to get on amazon and order one just to see what's in it are they talking about like 3g isis or <laughs> i don't know they have e90 stuff in there so if they mention something it would be like gt1 do you have the ops head yeah, nobody has that. <laughs> Getting um, some comments. I don't know for uh Yeah, so a shop owner that I actually know, so I don't I don't want to yell out names, but a shop owner I actually know just commented that he said he's never spent more money on training than he has in the last few years. You know, he's got a good group of techs and so now he's fully investing in training. And I've seen him at training and I've seen his guys at training over the years. And so it seems like more frequent now, which is good. But the comment you made a few minutes ago is more true than most people realize. I see more owners and more management putting up with less ideal candidates for employment solely because it's better to have somebody at this level than nobody. That does happen. So, I mean, that's just the market, unfortunately. Yeah. And for continued or accelerated gains, as many as we can get on board to keep pushing that narrative, the better. 
Yeah. To try to offset even shops unwittingly. And by shops, I mean, you know, the people inside it, techs or advisors or owners, managers, unwittingly devaluing themselves and or can't really say and or it's really and their competition. They'll devalue themselves if they're trying to devalue or run down the competition. They're unwittingly running themselves down with them. So I just think the more social media probably helps a lot in that respect, where we kind of all band together a little bit more and push a more positive message and kind of get each other's backs a little bit. Things go south. It's like, well, wait, you know, I understand you're upset, but it sounds like the shop got your back. It sounds like they did right by you and the tech misdiagnosed it or made a mistake. I think they reserve the right to be human rather than, I think years ago, it was really easy to be just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the way they are. I would never hire any of those people here. Yeah, the nameless, faceless has kind of been removed from social media. One of the few good things is it's hard for everybody to be a complete stranger. Then memes, those are by far the best things about social media. I mean, you do spend a fair amount of time farming. And trolling. Yeah. Good old trolling. That's maybe one thing I'm actually good at. That list is quite extensive, actually. <laughs> Some really good questions coming up here. I like something Dominic said. This weighs heavily on me. So Dominic says, similar to owners not being able to fix cars, though it seems that smaller shops will have a harder time too, unless they specialize. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because I don't know when that becomes small shop, big shop, big enough to handle multi-car lines at a high level. I don't know where that cutoff is. I don't even want to knee jerk it right now. I'd, I'd have to really think about it. But I do find it's got to be difficult or it's going to be, if not already, to service all makes all models when you're a small shop. And we'll just say small being sub five, six base. I don't even know that it's bay count. It's more tech count. Yeah, that's probably a good point. You could have 30 bays, but if you only have five guys, it, it doesn't matter. Or yeah. five techs. I 100% agree with Dominic that unless you have a giant operation going on, you're better off specializing. And it doesn't have to be in just one car line. You know, it, it could be two, three, five, six. Yeah, yep, whatever. I would, I would 100% agree with that. And what I've actually started seeing is now that multi-shop ownership has become a thing. Instead of having one great big shop, you have several shops in a region for the MSO guys. I see a lot of them having on the west side of town, they have a European shop. On the east side of town, they have an Asian shop. And then on the north or south side of town, they'll have all makes all models that will service everything, but maybe not repair everything. And then if it becomes a, hey, you need to repair, you know, we have this heavy repair on your BMW still within our family, but we have a location on the other side of town that actually specializes in that. So I'm starting to see a little bit more of that. It's cool and it's good behind that. But I, I agree with Dominic. Specialization is the the way to yeah. go. I mean, even if you've got some tech or two that are capable of, I, I think I'd lean a little more towards on the diagnostic side because that's what I can speak to, I think, much more fluently. Even if you have those that tech or techs that are capable of being you know, fairly competent with multiple, multiple, multiple scan tools and service from information navigation and then just troubleshooting in general, understanding of different systems. The cost to the shop to have all those tools starts to get really, it gets rough. I don't know, like we're feeling it just yet, but I sense it. If I start adding a few more and a few more, I have the initial investment. And of course, it's the ones I don't have are, 
probably the most expensive generally, it starts to get a lot rougher to be able to justify it. So you, you find yourself thinking heavily about we just won't fully service those. And maybe I'm going to pick these and maybe these is seven different car lines or nine car lines, but I'm going to have all the stuff to do them and hopefully leave it up to somebody else to go, well, see a need, fill a need. They're not going to service these. We will, and we'll get tooled up for it and charge accordingly. And that can end up being a really good symbiotic relationship between shops, which is becoming more and more of a thing than I remember in the past where not just car lines, but also just services like, Hey, you know what? I have no interest in getting into this area of auto of repair work. You can have it all. I will refer it to you and vice versa. I just think that's the way forward. And because of that and seeing shops doing that, working together further increases uh, how we're looked at and viewed by the public. We've talked about that before in the past on camera about networking. If you get in, do you have a preferred body shop in the area that you have a good relationship with that does good work? Do you have a shop down the road from you that's really good at doing alignments, that kind of thing? And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't ever want to farm anything out. But I mean, there's plenty of time and I'm not dealing with just one geographical area. A lot of people don't understand that their geographical area is different than others. And I don't mean the, you don't know my market. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what you would consider a small shop in your area in Minnesota is a huge shop in almost everywhere in California. All your metro areas in California, especially Southern California, SoCal, that whole area is locked up so badly. There's regions in like Orange County where you cannot build new automotive repair shop. The only way you're getting an automotive repair shop is to buy or lease one that is already open. If your access is a two or three base shop in Orange County, you're not going to have the space to do alignments. And if there's an alignment shop already down the road from you, send them to them. So I see a lot of that going on. I think that's going to help some specialization. And there's no rule that fits everything for specialization. You know, your market may be different. Your market where you're at is a little more rural. So you typically end up with a much wider range of things, both automotive and non-automotive in the shop. But there's not a lot of other places in your area to do that. Whereas you go to a, you know, you go more towards the Twin Cities and there's there's flipping shops everywhere, right? Yeah, we did something right. Stefan's agreeing with us, so. That's just because he likes you. No, I don't think he knows me enough. Well, maybe that's right. Maybe that's why he doesn't know me well enough. Sure he does. Gunther, he's going to open another shop. He's going to have a north side and a south side shop. Bill Hill, doesn't it all start somewhere? Training is how we, I'm guessing something of the tune of how we get our staff better. Training's a rough conversation for me. Yeah. Because I am 100% in on training. Like that's. I'm not completely sold on training yet. You're not? Well, there's instructors like me out there. So now it's immediately suspect. I don't do that much presenting, honestly. You used to. I don't don't factor. Yeah. You used to. There's a reason I don't. I sucked at it. No. You did your time on the road. You wanted to come home. It's rough because I think the audience we have, it's preaching to the choir. It is. They all know. They're already going to training. These are names we see at all the events. These are the names we see talking about not the big events, going to the smaller things, the night classes, the day classes. They're sending people during the day, during the week for training. It's the frustration of how many don't go to training. And it's 
it's almost sickening how many shops are trying to send their techs to training. They're trying to motivate them partly, reward them, compensate them, paying for the training, paying for their time in training, paying to get them there, whatever. And they don't go. They don't take advantage of it. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'll probably get some hate mail for this, but that's fine. First off, I agree with you. Pretty much everybody that's watching us right now or will end up listening to us eventually, they're the ones that we see every time we go somewhere. I know that when I go to Vision, I go to ASTE, I go to ITTC, I go to any of the private training events that I do throughout the year, I know I'm going to see, I'm seeing names right now scroll through the comments of people that are in class with me all the time. Some of them too much. They spend too much time with me. I want them to go get some other training as well. We're not the problem. It's the people that still don't know that there is training out there. So yes, there is a small problem with shop owners that can't motivate certain parts of their staff to go to training, but there is a much bigger section of the industry that still does not know that there's real training out there, that they think the only training that they're going to get is those two to four hour at night classes. They have no idea the level of webinars that are available. They have no idea the level of in-person training, the seminars that are available, the expos that are available. Everybody always says, what's one thing we can do to improve the trade? I tell you what, every shop in the immediate area that you operate, that you see poor work out of, or you get customer complaints out of when the customers come through, reach out to those shops, show them what's available. Because they don't know, they still don't know. I am blown away, and I have been all over the country for the last five years. I am blown away by the number of times that I meet someone as I'm leaving, and they go, I never knew this existed, and I've been in the, I've been in the trade 15, 16, 10, whatever years. They had no clue, and the event that we're leaving has been going on for 8 to 20 years. Yeah, it's the events. It's the big events. It's the uh, the visions and SCXs, Apex, stuff like that. And Super Saturday. I mean, Super Saturday, ASTE. Like, there's big reasons, very, very good reasons to attend these. And maybe you have to skip around. Maybe you have to vision as like a rotation and you hit them. But there's reason to do it for the networking alone. Also, the frustrating thing is how many shops provide Napa Auto Tech training? who, by the way, sponsors this. The other thing is, I mean, okay, Napa Auto Tech Training, it's a competitor, but you know what? They have training, as far as I can tell, it's pretty good. CTI, WTI, online training, you have today's class. How many different resources online? Scanner Danner, Scanner Danner Premium. Online? Online. Holy holy crap. I mean, shops are paying for. Here it is. You can do this at home. You can do this. You know, some shops, I'm assuming if there maybe there's a slow time or during lunch or during break, take some of this, it's learn at your own pace. How many of them are paying for it? And when they look at the end of the month, year, whatever, the amount of classes consumed are zero. That happens a lot. It does, I'm not gonna lie. I know that there are some people that are hell bent on not doing online training if yeah. for no other reason other than they had enough of it during 2020. I don't agree with them. I'm just saying. If you have a mental block towards online training, I'm not going to try to force it down your throat because if you don't want to be there, you're not going to learn anything. It's just as good as you not being there. I've had this conversation with Paul. I've had this conversation with somebody that used to work at CTI. Both of them constantly talk about shop owner paying for multiple licenses, having an LMS system set up for their individual technicians, and 
never logged in. And they're the ones that they bring the vehicle in. They can't talk to the TPMS sensors, so they replace them all, program them to the wrong frequency. Now the tool talks to the sensors, but the car doesn't. The car doesn't. TPMS is still on, but they won't take advantage of the training. It just blows my mind. I did an episode trying to comment on it, and I don't know the answer. I have no idea how to peer into somebody's head and go, why don't you want to learn? Why don't you want to be better at your job? What else can they do? They're paying you to do it? They're paying for it? I've always said that there's typically, anytime you run into a professional position, there's people typically fall into two categories. And it's real simple. It's either a job or it's a career. And if it's a job, I clock in at eight, I do my assignments, clock out at five, I go home. When it's a career, you know that you're in it for the long haul and you have to continue Those are two totally different mindsets. I don't know that people that are in a mindset, there's not always going to be a way to convert those people. There's going to be a large section of that have a job that will never become I have a career. I don't know that you can overcome that. How can this happen? How can you not be taking advantage of this training and then struggling on things that training would have helped you avert where you wouldn't have struggled at all and then complain about you're not progressing up to this mythical number that's this mythical hundred thousand dollar yeah you're not a six-figure tech wherever that came from that's its own we could that's good lord who knows that probably came from the same place beetlejuice did for 98 years the napa name has meant quality parts and service it also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business no doubt the technician shortage is impacting everyone but you're not facing this battle alone Napa has the solution by making Napa Autotech training available near you. Napa Autotech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact. Technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind... Napa Autotech training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa Autotech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Autotech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Autotech offers, contact NapaAutotech.com. I see the training argument all the time. I've had shop owners hire me to come in and do private training. And you look at the expense and the the amount of planning that it takes to get me to come in to do uh, private training. And then I have other shops that nobody goes to training. Whoever's even running the shop may not even know that there's training. I don't know, man. It blows my mind. But like I said, I, I would say that everybody that is watching or will ultimately end up listening to this typically are not where the training deficiencies are. It's the people that still don't know what they don't know. They have no idea. 
So I think the best thing we can do to change the industry, because that's all everybody always wants to know. How are we going to improve it? Where do we start? Where do we start? We have all these ideas of what needs to happen, but nobody has a first step. Here's your first step. Everybody that you run into in the automotive repair trade, whether they're good, bad, you like them, don't like them, share the good word of all the resources that are out here that they have no clue about. I just saw Andrew. Yeah, I was trying to read that, but I didn't want to lose my train of thought because that's easy for me to do. Let me go back to Mr. Sexton. So, yeah, he says, I'm on the board for my local Milwaukee Midwest Auto Care Alliance. I think that's what that means. That is. That That is is something Fozzie Bear says. Sherry will be so proud you remembered. Chapter, and we struggle to get attendance for training. We request feedback from our members, and we'll bring in the exact trainers they ask for, only to end up having three to five people show up. Some of these shops are pretty good, and I am sure they could be better, but many people are unwilling to put in the extra effort. We've talked about daytime training. I'm 100% for it. Most shops will simply not close down to provide daytime training. Just like we ha uh, Must have lost his internet connection. So or he's typing a novel. He was typing a novel. That's the only way you win any battle, is one inch at a time. Right there. Daniel's got the nail on the head. One tech at a time. We use the metric system around here, pal. Yeah, well, go revise that. You will never get to the moon. Isn't that like 23 millimeter? 25.4, but whatever. Dominic's complaining about the cost of Zentry and PWIS. I agree. Yeah. Although I don't think Zentry, if you have the car count, okay, if you have the car count, neither one is that. If you had the car count, but neither one matters. Zentry gets, I know out of pocket, it's knocking on 30 grand, but it comes with what, four years of updates? Three years, so, six months. Is it three years? It's three years, six months. Okay, so split the difference. Your time basically starts as soon as you hit the submit. Oh, brother. And then yeah. you don't get it for, okay. You don't yeah. get it for two to I six months. Yeah. So I, I get it. Takes some of the sting out of it. Yeah. My argument's always been with, and I use Zentry because it's more popular than Porsche PWIS. Right. PWIS is more expensive than Zentry. Not by much, but it is more expensive. The argument is, is that if you're in the situation where you are going to legitimately specialize in Mercedes. You can't work without it. Right. You can't. Yes, it's a lot of money up front, but again, three and a half years, by the time you add in tips, StarTech, and the actual kit fours entry with the hardware to your door, you're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 36, 37 and change. Plus the $200 COD tax charge you have to pay when they (laughs) drop it off. You divide that by four, you're at what, nine and change a year, 10 and change a year. There's plenty of car lines that guys have in here they're spending 10 grand a year on. The big thing is, is you have to pay it up front. I get it, but that's not a tool for everybody. That's not, a lot of guys don't want to touch Mercedes. I get it. I think we screwed up personally. I think the reason that tool costs so much is because we, as a trade, screwed up. Back when the right to repair was written the first time, they put a line in there that said something to the effect of, Access to OEM information and tooling is should be available to the aftermarket repair for a reasonable cost. The problem is that there's no footer on the bottom of that bill that has what reasonable cost is defined as. But I mean, if you're working on a bunch of Mercedes, figure the average cost of a Mercedes versus the average cost of Asian or domestic vehicle. There's a big disparity there. So there's going to be a big disparity in the tool and the amount of servicing that goes on. I mean, there's frustrations with getting it up and going and sometimes some login issues where they might shut it down for various reasons. I think that a lot of that's mobile guys. I don't know about brick and mortar as much. It happens to everybody. Eventually it's going to be your turn to get shut off for a little while. But when it works, 
and and I want to. I think it works the majority of the time. It does. Work. I think it, it's some people's favorite tool. It's that good. I'll be honest, and we all know that I'm hardcore BMW. As far as self-contained tool, that tool is superior. But what would you expect for thirty plus thousand? Right. <laughs> if I bought I something, to tell for 30, me what's wrong. If I bought something for thirty grand and it worked like GM TLC. I would burn the entire trade to the ground. I would just, every building I saw that worked on cars, I'd set it on fire. Can you imagine spending that money for GM and then it being down all the time? That would be crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it does work. It automatically updates itself. They rarely have issues. Now, that they do have issues. They're just not as well published because the ownership it's not a popular tool to own. If you ever sneak into like a dealership group on the facey space, you'll notice that they have problems too. Everybody has problems. I do prefer the physical scan tool of Zentry to ISTA, but their repair information way, way worse to use. So that's just me personally. Jimmy as a shop foreman. You can't get the other text to even watch a webinar. I'm right there with you, pal. Yep. Jimmy's a good dude. Jimmy's a very good dude. And it's unfortunate. And I get to deal with a lot of shops around the country. I, I can't even say around the country. I get to deal with a lot of shops around the world. I guess I can say world. I've got nine or 10 guys that are outside the United States. So I'll say world. I see a lot of it. I'll have a shop that I work with and I will talk to one or two people in that shop, but never talk to the third person or the fourth tech in that shop. And it's because that tech that I don't talk to goes to training a lot and the other two technicians don't. I hate to be stuck on there. So many things we could talk about. And we, again, everybody that's watching now is probably on the pro training. I mean, I'm watching the name scroll through with the comments and I haven't seen, I don't have very good memory and I don't see a single name on there I don't recognize so far. I don't know about you. Pretty much every name on there we recognize. At some point, we have seen them either in a tech forum or we have seen them in person. So not that I don't want to answer the questions. It's like the answer is I still feel like the answer I gave earlier is the answer, which is where do we start trying to fix the trade is we spread the good word. We don't keep telling everybody that's already going to training. We don't keep saying, Stefan, you got to go to training. You got to go to training. You got to go to training. We say, guy that we've never heard of before, are you aware that... Napa Auto Tech has an apprenticeship program and that they have a LMS training system and that CTI has an LMS training program. And have you heard the good word of Paul Danner? I mean, I'm blown away. Paul has probably made one of the biggest impacts in the industry in the last 10 years. I think everybody would agree with that. Yes. I ran into somebody on Monday that's never heard of Scanner Danner. And Paul, I fell out of my chair. I, I mean, I would say I, I know quite a few people. I used to feel very... Same with Thornton, John Thornton. If somebody didn't know who he was, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around that. But it, honestly, it's kind of a niche. It's a niche group that know these, you know, I don't know if we divide things up by levels and where the lines all are, but it's the level two, level threes. Those are the ones that know, you know, level two probably for sure knows Scanner Danner because they've started reaching out looking to learn more and they're, they're looking for maybe the free stuff. So the YouTube stuff and, I mean, you know, if they ran into Scotty Kilmer, they would never move on. But eventually they may fall into some Scanner Danner stuff and kind of get that the taste and then check out his website and then subscribe and grow that way. And then they keep reaching out and then they find out about the Thorntons and the Manas and the Morgans and whatever There's names we want to drop. 
there's another Morgan. So it's gotta be. Yeah. Let me give you my cash app. So and then name drop. I already have your address. Check some man. <laughs> we want to keep in keeping with this discussion because Chris Reynolds asked a question that I kind of want to get to also, but this one is going with really what we're already rolling with here. Dean Halverson, Matt, what are your thoughts? I don't know that you really want to know. I want to be better at my job. I want all the online training I can. I watch all the online training I can. It has not gained me any income. I think the guys on these platforms work for the top 5% of shops. You're probably right. A lot of these names you see maybe here now, but also in the some of the Facebook groups, depending on which groups you're in and what the discussion is, I, I tend to agree with you. Most of us work for mom and pop shop that are just surviving until they can get their exit. You're going to improve at what you do as best you can with what you have. In that, hopefully, over time, as you are improving, you're showing that value. What I found myself doing, and I'm not saying it, the thing I struggle with advice like this is that because it worked for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. And I don't mean because I'm special, just dumb luck that it worked. But I For usually, the record, you are special, but not Yeah, not short special. bus. I went to management with the attitude of, I want the shop to do better. But my underlying drive was... I wanted to do better. So I knew I couldn't really do better without them doing better. I don't know too many shop owners that are just killing it. I don't know the shop owner that has a nice big house in the nice part of town and a cabin and six vehicles and goes on Boy, lavish vacations. I don't Boy, know. Somebody's getting, somebody's getting attacked right now. Who is? I don't know anybody like that. Oh, okay. One, but he's multi-shop owner. And I think That's most, of his, I most yeah. of his shop are, as far as I know, his employees are fairly well taken care of or have definitely have a path to be very well taken care of. I don't know too many like that or any off the cuff where they're killing it. The techs are struggling. It's usually the owners it's are usually struggling. Around, yeah. And they might be struggling more than the techs. I see that a lot. I know that there's this impression that every shop, and it's hard to remember, and I can say this. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure Matt has been in this position as well. When I started out early in the career, I'm telling you right now, I didn't work for really nice shops. You know, I did not have a warm, fuzzy feeling when I walked into work every day. It was lights burnout, grungy, two bay, three bay, not a good situation. And then as I moved shop, a couple of shops, got some more experience under me, I started to notice that. I see more shops are what we would refer to as mom and pop and less what I would refer to as garage mahals. Most garage mahals are corporates. There's some exceptions for sure. There's some really nice independent shops. I'm not picking on them. I'm not putting them down. Good on them for being able to make that happen. By no means do I think that you're being cynical. You're speaking pretty straightforward. No issue with that. I see a lot of guys that looking for that greener grass on the other side. Guys, this, I get to go to a lot of different shops as I go around the country. And I'm not saying they all look the same, but I'm saying they all look the same for the most part. But I, I went to management to help with ideas to help make more money for them. Of course, the idea is that it will trickle down. For the most part, it did. So the first shop I worked for, and this is, I mean, really out of college. I thought I knew way more than I really did. But I read a lot of uh, magazines, trade magazines, and then at the time, IATN. And it still is a terrific resource, but it's 
dated now. It's not the current hangout. There's far more stuff going on in like Facebook groups, diagnostic network. But IETN was a terrific resource. And honestly, it still is. It's not like a lot of the rules change, especially when it comes to shop management type things. But I would go with these ideas. The first shop I worked for, a little bit of a resistance, but try a little bit of this, try that, try this. And it got better and better. And then you probably heard the story. I, I think I've told it. Shop owner was in a snowmobile accident, was paralyzed, closed the shop down. I went to the next shop, kind of the same thing. Only I really couldn't get them to budge. It was a lot of fear. I don't even say that out of judgment. They had fear. They're scared what they would lose for clients. So loss aversion. I only lasted a year. I had to get out of there. But it wasn't so horrible that I rushed. I had time to try to find a good situation. I felt like I did. And that worked out well. Same thing. Not that I go in there with just, you know, I know how to do this. So listen to me. It's always just a little bit here. Here's an idea. What do you think of this? Trying to help, I guess, selfless for selfish means, if that makes sense. Both income wise and then equipment too. Like I wanted to be able to get whatever scan tools or service information or, you know, whatever. And this is before I knew Keith Perkins. So it was easy street. I see Dean. Now the rest of the story is he finally moved over to heavy duty equipment and now he's making way more money. My answer was to help you out, but it looks like you uh, found a solution. But for anyone in similar situation, I, I think, of course, keep improving as best you can. Ask for help to keep improving. And then I think it's not unreasonable to bring up ideas of how to uh, improve the situation for the owners. Like, tell them, you know, I want to see you do well too. I don't see anything wrong with that. With my boss, it's kind of like, dude, I, I would really like to see you driving a company truck. You're, you're driving out that rusted out suburban for how many years? And I get it. You like the truck, but, you know, it doesn't reflect the business so well. And, Resistance, resistance, resistance. And then it's like, hmm, so and so has a nice looking truck, and so and so, and not just other repair shops, like, you know, electricians, plumbers, colleagues, stuff like that. And next thing you know, he's got a decent looking truck. It's got Riverside all over it. And you can just tell it feels a little bit better. And then over the years with rate changes and billing practices, the fear of losing certain clientele, you don't lose them. Or the ones that you do, you find out months later, you don't miss them anyways. And that's not to go in with like an arrogance or a chip on your shoulder. That's the positive evolution. That's the yeah. way it's supposed to work. You work for an organization, which is a big organism, and you're part of the organism, and you want the organism to succeed and to improve. Yeah, why not try to help perpetuate that? Yeah. So there's one that I, I kind of want to approach too, because it's one of my biggest pet peeves. That's pretty big too. Power no, probe. It's impossible. You said pet peeve. No, that's not a pet peeve. That's one that just straight pisses me Commercials. off. Commercials. Yeah. Since you guys have been in this trade longer than myself, how what have you guys... What are you trying guys, to say? Uh, he's, he's calling you old and he can see my gray hair. It's okay. How have you guys reacted or replied to all the guys telling you to get out of this industry, go do something else while you're young? It's definitely discouraging at times, but I know I want to do this for the rest of my career, but having such a negative, it's hard not to be sucked into that mindset. It is. And I'm guilty of not telling younger techs. I specifically try not to have that attitude around the younger guys. When we joke about, man, God, I hate cars. I got to get out of the industry. That's a Matt and me joke. That's a, 
a me and my mentor joke. That's not something that you want to air towards the younger crew because it does discourage it. And then all we're doing is we're eating our young. We have a huge problem with that. We're not the only ones, but we have a huge problem with that where we set unreal expectations. We do not instill good things in our new techs. And then we psychologically push them out by always talking about how bad this is, how bad this is, how bad this is. Look, I'm the first one to tell you, this is a tough job. This is not an easy job. It is very tough. But if you stick with it and you find your place in the trade, whether it is at shop A or shop C or even shop XYZ or as a trainer or in product development or whatever, management. I guess we're, can we call you management? Can I call you management? I have a management position, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I feel it so good. Could be management. Once you find the right spot for yourself, a lot of that hatred goes away. I do see a lot of it. And I, Tom, I know it's tough, man. I've worked in shops before where everybody, like your first day there, everyone is telling you how freaking terrible it is. That's not helpful. You know what? We can't go an episode. Without a movie reference. I thought we already had two or three, but carry on. Okay. Well, I got a good one. I think we could address this a lot like the movie Rudy. I don't know how many of you have ever seen it, but there's a point where Rudy is going to quit and he's helping with, you know, the field crew, the groundskeepers, if you will. I don't know the actor's name here. I remember he played Rock, R-O-C Rock for uh, like a sitcom. And he's like, look at you. You're five foot nothing. You weigh a hundred and nothing. And you've got a scholarship to the greatest college of all the land. Okay, so maybe you're not working for the greatest shop in all the land, but sometimes you got to take somebody aside and say, like, what are you complaining about? You work for some really good people. You work for a really good shop. You work for a really good company. You're doing pretty good. Sure. Okay, you're not on the freaking varsity. You're not even on the you know JV yet, but you're on your way. You got a lot of good things going for you. And there's a lot of good things going on for this profession. You've picked a really, really good time to pick this as a profession. And there could be more of that. A lot of times it's, I don't know, we, we listen to me, the one who likes to deprecate everything. But certain things doesn't make a whole lot of sense to let somebody just constantly always thinking that it's, the grass is greener on the other side or they'd have been better off doing something else when they haven't given it enough time to to make it. So what well, I think one comparison that gets made is to the other skilled trades. So electricians, plumbers, welders even, a lot of their apprentices make pretty good money. But I would say like the last 3 years or more that sure, if you're starting out at our shop at the the bottom, you're probably not going to make as much as you would as an apprentice working for an electrician or a plumber. But if you hang out and of course you have to you have to show some competency right you have to be able to do the job you're going to make more than a journeyman electrician or plumber welder so that's the last few years that has happened so to me that's light at the end of the tunnel you're going to have to wait you're no instant gratification i think eric sprague said something about instant gratification and he's right yeah, there's too much did. of that there's something to delayed gratification and in this case if we can consistently demonstrate where there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn about cars, especially compared to electricians and plumbers and all that. And I don't mean to run them into the ground, but that's not my intent at all. It's, it's different. But you think about all the different things 
bumper to bumper on a car, all there is to know versus those jobs. Why wouldn't it take a little bit longer? And when you're starting out, you're not bringing much to the table. You're not bringing revenue into the shop. It's costing the shop to have you, but we're making an investment and that investment hopefully will pay off for us and you. You're investing time and delaying a little bit of gratification, but it's going to pay off. And, and we have to be able to pay it off. Got to make it worth their time. That might tie in a little bit to Chris's question about broad recommendations or what broad recommendations do you have for incoming new technician workforce? And that's part of it is how do you give advice when you're successful at something, whatever that means, quote unquote, successful at something. And it turned out like you could do it. What do you tell somebody when they're first starting out? Like there, there has to be an F factor. Not everybody's going to be able to do it. You might find out you're not cut out for this. But hopefully it's not that you're not cut out for it because we have a terrible work environment or a terrible pay structure that just puts you behind the eight ball. You don't have the skill set or whatever inherent ability to do this at a level we need you to be able to do this. But a lot of people can and we run them out. That's the big problem, right? We have people that fully capable and we ran them out because the grass was greener on the other side. Dean Halverson, it looks like. What if he's fully capable of doing this? We sent them off to heavy duty. We demonstrated this uh, where they end up going to different professions and then wonder why they didn't leave earlier. Yeah. I mean, and that happens where you don't find your, you know, they say your true calling, but you don't find that whenever you're 18, 20. Some of us don't even find it when we're in our 30s. There's plenty of people that don't figure out what they're really supposed to do until they're in their 40s, their 50s. Everybody expects a lot out of the younger crowd. I'm for it because obviously you can't achieve anything if you never are tested. So you have to, there has to be some high expectations. But at the same time, you're not going to know if you really like doing something until you do it. I would just say that you should be given the opportunity to do that without being told what all's someone else dislikes about it right out of the get go. Well, we want high performance out of young people in a profession that demands a high level of mechanical aptitude, but they're coming up through a world that requires very, very, very little mechanical aptitude. They're never going to develop it. So now we're getting them, you know, instead of them starting to get some mechanical aptitude, starting when they're, you know, five, six years old, when they can start riding a bike and they have to air up their tires and fix the chain or whatever, or have somebody show them how to fix the chain. They don't have to do that anymore. Do they even have to pull start their lawnmowers if if they have to mow the the yard? They probably don't know how to pull start a lawnmower. And so we're getting them when they're in their late teens with no mechanical background, built up aptitude. That's when we're getting them and have to bring them up to a professional level of aptitude. So I think partly in response to Chris's question and I guess to all of us is we have to exercise a fair bit of uh, patience. And those investments may not pay off. It's kind of a little bit of a gamble, right? You're going to go with your gut, you know, what's their attitude like? And they might turn out great and they may not. What do you do? You put them in the best position to succeed, right? That's all anything, all any of us can ever do is put ourselves in the best position to succeed, put others in the best position to succeed. And as management, that's our job is to try to put everybody in the best position to succeed over the long term. I agree. And like I said, there's no hard feelings. If somebody comes in, they put forth a good effort and they decide this isn't for them. Because like you said, this is 
there's plenty of people that think that this will be something that they want to do, but then when they actually get in and they find out the ins and outs, nah, this isn't for me. But I really like doing HVAC, so I can go work for an HVAC company, or you know, I really like being outdoors, so I'm going to go be a roofer, or whatever. I agree with that. Just the one, and I don't remember what comment it is now because these things are scrolling through pretty well, which is a testament to your viewership. You know, it's tough. Only thing I can tell you to do is, is if you're in that situation, you have two options. One, you can ignore that environment and keep doing what you do, or you can change your environment. If you're surrounded by a bunch of ne- negativity about the trade, you can either ignore it and keep doing what's best for you, just like Matt said with Rudy. You know, he's 5'8 and playing Notre Dame football. Or you can change teams, which I think I saw several people comment that that's the solution. But there's two ways around everything. So yeah, it's see, a tough situation. Yeah, I mean, that's shortly out of school, shortly after getting my first job. I had worked at Tires Plus before, took a break, delivered parts for... Uh, you know, CarQuest and worked the counter there, which actually ended up helping because it gave me a gave me a few months to kind of let things sink in. Gave me a chance to kind of walk, you know, while delivering parts, chatting up a little bit with the techs and seeing what they're doing. But then the first real independent shop I worked at, I got on IETN really soon. So I had a fairly positive environment, work environment. And I was starting to surround myself with very positive people about the profession in chat, IATM chat specifically, and then start going to trainings and, you know, really got linked up with Thornton, right? And kind of got into that group. However that happened, that happened. It was hard to have a really bad attitude about the profession. There's absolute frustrations. Definitely was thinking about quitting and going to work in a factory where I could have made more money. But I had a lot of people telling me like, just wait, just give it time. Like Jeepers crime in here. 20, take it easy. It's tough. I mean, and the other thing too is, and I see it a lot with younger guys coming in, anybody who works on cars is eventually going to be infuriated because frustrated is not the right word. They're going to become infuriated with a vehicle that they're working on. Are they going to be infuriated by a situation around a car, whether it's the customer or whether it's the car or whether it's the parts department or whatever it is. That's not the same thing as being bent out of shape about feeling like you're stuck in a trade that isn't good. Those are two different things. And it's hard for somebody that comes in new, doesn't have any experience to differentiate. If you've ever worked with me and I'm in a hefty battle with a car, you're probably going to learn some new words, but it's directed at the car. It's not directed at people. It's directed at the car. There are some days that I physically hate cars. You put words together. No one ever imagined could go together and they work. You know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I do have a skill for that. That frustration's real. I'm, I swear, if anybody tells you they've never been mad at a car, you are a liar. You are a liar, sir, or ma'am, or whatever. It's tough. Again, that's different than, you should get out of this trade. This trade's terrible. I've had rough patches in this trade. Matt, you worked for a tire store. I worked for a tire store. I was dumb enough. I worked for a tire store twice. And I don't mean like a an independent tire store. I mean like a big chain tire store that's known for chewing people up and spitting them out. So I've been in those bad environments. It's tough. That's toxicity in the workplace. And, you know, sometimes that's management's job to get rid of that. Looks like we're running out of time here. We're going to have to do a part two. I know I say that a lot. And Are I we mean, really we really running out of time? Yeah. I was, man, I drank up. I was fully prepared for two hours. Yeah. We're going to copy a bunch of these. Yeah, you need to copy questions. a bunch of these because there's a ton yep. of good ones in here. I mean, we got to do a follow up soon. 
This isn't an early April Fool's joke where you're like, yeah, no. we're we're running out of time. No, my apologies to Matt Damon. Matt Damon. All right. Was there actually, is there somebody in the group named Matt Damon? Because I'm about to feel no. bad that I made that. Uh, it's a, a Jimmy Kimmel reference. He used to oh. end the show. My apologies to Matt Damon. I don't have time. Sorry we ran out of time. I went the other way. In America. <laughs> oh, man, I love that movie. Yeah. I can repeat no lines from that movie on this show. You need to save that last one from Hans. That's a good question. And that's also pretty much universal from all markets. So yeah. I think we're going to save a bunch of these and then save yeah, a bunch. You can come back on. We can do this again. Yeah. So you just tell me and I'll put it on the white, the whiteboard there. Cool. So I don't forget anybody that's ever been to class with me. You guys thought I was joking about the whiteboard. There's a whiteboard right there. I so. figured you just painted your walls and that whiteboard stuff. Man, I, you know, I thought about it. It's expensive. Well, thank you very much for joining me, sir. Thanks for having me. And I, I'm super glad that we had as much viewership and interaction. Well, they heard you were going to be here, so they just come in droves. What they did was they saw the bill that got put up and they said, who is that guy with Matt? That's what they said. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, this is fun. I love it. Every time I'm on, it's always good. And I, I, I kind of kept it, you know, I was I was throttling the humor because I thought we were going to be here longer. But no, that's cool. Multi-part. Maybe we could do this on a regular basis. Considering the number of questions we got, this could be a multi-multi-part thing. This could maybe, be a regular thing. Yeah, maybe it could just be a regular show, like, you know, once a yeah. quarter or something. Okay, sold. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for stopping by. I'm sorry we ran out of time, and um, maybe we're just that long-winded. But thanks for all the questions. Thank you very, very much for being here, and uh, let us know if you want us to do this again. I think we're going to anyway, so... It's not about what you want. It's, about what want. <laughs> you, it's like the close button in the elevator. I'm just making you feel like you have some power. Bike Club started. reference. Don't even get me started on that conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Napa Auto Tech Training for sponsoring. And thank you to Aftermarket Radio Network. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com. 